Warning, you are about to listen to the Masters of the Obvious. But to be honest, they aren't Masters of shit. It's just my mom and her dumbass friend. So if you like interviews, nerdy stuff, and bad puns, you're going to want to listen to this. Welcome to the fourth episode of Masters of the Obvious. I'm Kirsten Bozio. And I'm Cynthia Rose. On today's pod, we have an interview with Bonna Bones. We talk about robot chicken, teaching during a pandemic, and the covert politics in children's cartoons. And Kirsten and I discuss nerd news, comic releases, and the airing of grievances. But first, we'd like to remind you to go to mastersoftheobvious.com. We have a ton of merch for sale, and if you'd like to support this pod by becoming a walking billboard, well, we really appreciate you. And hey, I'd hit that. And you could check that out and show your support at mastersoftheobvious.com. Hey. Yeah. Hey, guess what? Oh my God, what? I think it's time for some nerd news. <laughs> Fuck yeah, lay it on me. Here we go. Olivia Wilde is directing a female superhero movie, speculatively Spider-Woman. I'm very excited. I loved I loved Booksmart. She's great. She's a she's a lovely lady. I really liked her in Tron Legacy. People get really upset about Tron Legacy, but I think it's almost even more watchable than the original. I just think she's lovely. I'll watch her in anything and anything she does. She's great. Please bring Jessica Drew to the big screen. I am my body is ready. I don't know how many <laughs> I feel like that was a sexual awakening for me was my my Spider-Woman action figures as a kid. Oh, so you're so ready for this movie. Fuck yeah. I'm I'm very ready for it. I'm also ready for the new Eternals comic book series at Marvel. They yeah. just announced that. It's got Kieran Gillen, who uh, did Uncanny X-Men, and then Asad Ribic. Oh my God, I'm so sorry if I butchered your name. <laughs> but um, from Secret Wars. And that's going to debut in November. Fun. Which... Isn't there an Eternals movie coming out as well? There is, yeah. So, yeah, that series is probably going to be extremely popular, just in time, too. A November release for a comic and a February release for a movie. That's pretty close. It's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm actually really surprised by how many people went to go see New Mutants in theaters. Yeah, 7 million? 7 million. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's any theaters even open near me. Who, who are these people seeing? Is it all Tom Cruise? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel like what's happening is, is if you have a theater open near you and something's coming out, you're you're very excited to go. So Aww. thank you, dummies, for watching this movie. I also I mean, spoiler alert, apparently there's some there's some mild racism happening in that movie. I think we were all really excited for a Native American superhero and then to find out that a lot of the jokes made in it are at her expense. Out said character is pretty disappointing. I mean, it's sort of lazy to make if you want someone to be like mean or a villain is to make them racist. It's a little lazy. It's 2020. Are we really still relying on that sense of humor? But to be fair, it was shot 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. All right. So that's rough. Anyway, so we've all been hearing about the Sandman Netflix series. Yeah. Um, so we don't have too, too long to wait for that. Uh, the interesting thing about it is that it's going to be set as if it's being written in 2020. 
So it's taking place in 2020. Yeah, it's updated. But it's interesting. They just, are they going to include like the like what's going on in 2020? Or are they just going to modernize things? Yeah, I think that makes sense. So I think for people who haven't read the series, it wouldn't be too much of a t- departure to get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. But the audiobooks are now available and those are more comic accurate. Okay. And so each episode of the audiobooks is dedicated to each of the Sandman books. Cool. And uh, we've got James McAvoy voicing Morpheus, which people seem to be pretty stoked for. All right. Um, here's my favorite bit of news for you. And it's going to mm-hmm. round out. Oh, you're getting close to the mic. You're getting into it. You love I'm this. I'm getting so into this. Let's hear it. Y'all remember Dean Kane, former actor turned cop. Oh, he fun. has continued to be the worst. <laughs> uh, recently, he went on Fox News to complain about how Superman supposedly wouldn't be able to say truth, justice in the American way anymore. Oh. <laughs> wow. That's okay. And in a move that shocked no one, and the entire Twitter tore apart. And so, yeah, we're just doubling down on the whole Dean Kane is the worst train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he doubled down on it. So, you know, made it easier for us. Yeah, yeah. He set the precedent. Uh, We've got some tweets here that I wanted to share. Oh, fuck. (laughs) We love a good roast. Wait, are you are you sharing his tweets or the tweets that were said about him? The the takedown tweets. Oh, even better. Give it to me. Dean Cain was a 90s soap opera Superman. A shitty knockoff. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is a good one. Dean Cain is Scott Baio without the talent. But so is Scott Baio. Oh, God, that's good. And finally, Dean Kane is trending. This is the most exposure his career has ever had. Way to go, real Dean Kane. Maybe you'll land a hemorrhoid commercial out of it. He's hoping Whew. for it. He's I can feel the heat it. off that roast. He really, he wants that hemorrhoid money. He needs it. Since we're on news, we do want to acknowledge uh, the saddest thing to come out in the last couple of days. Yes. Which is the passing of Chadwick Boseman. God damn. Which, I mean, no one, I didn't see it coming. It was so shocking. I was kind of convinced it was one of those fakey things that get sent around the internet. I was kind of hoping it was. I think we all were hoping that it was. Yeah, so he was obviously a pretty private person. I know there were some images in, in the last couple of months that were released, but out of context. And there was, I mean, the internet being the internet was speculating about all kinds of things and being shitty, so... Yeah. Um, come to find out he's been battling colon cancer for the last four years. I'm glad we had him for the time that we did. And I think that the MCU and just movies in general are forever changed by him. Yeah. I mean, everything he touched was really, really amazing. And and his, uh, his integrity, like the stories coming out about him turning down roles in his younger years, um, because oh, wow. yeah, the whole soap opera. Yeah. Yeah. Situation yeah, yeah. Too. Like he's uh God, he was a fucking solid dude. Was that days of our lives? Which one was that? that? Was, I think it was all my children. He had a very short lived role on all my children and was upset by the storyline of his character and the racial implications. So when he left the show, the the writers, the creators actually took note of what he was saying. So then when Michael B. Jordan filled the role, it was improved. Yeah, isn't that crazy that Michael B. Jordan took over the role too and had it for years, like it launched his career. Like it's just weird how people's lives are so intertwined. Yeah, and what was funny is that it wasn't until like the last year or so did Michael B. Jordan even hear about it. 
Yeah. I think that's Ugh. kind of the amazing thing about Chadwick Boseman is that he was a good guy and g- did good things, but didn't ever like collect on them. He God didn't damn. Re- Chadwick Boseman is like Prince. Yeah, exactly. Fuck. Just you find out all the stuff posthumous, like about the amazing shit and how amazing like these people were like because they didn't like, you know, broadcast it. Fuck. Is that's when you know they're genuine because they didn't expect anything from oh, it. I know. When it just makes your heart <sighs> fucking hurt more that they're gone. God damn it. So that's going to take a while to process. I am I'm eternally grateful for the work that he's done. Oh, we should talk about what we've been up to lately. I started The Expanse. What's that? It's a it, it was a sci-fi original series um that got handed over to I don't know. One of the streaming sites. Okay. And it's really good. It's got um my my boy Thomas Jane that played the original Punisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like a minute. And uh yeah, I, I there's a lot of women in uh power positions, which I always love to see from a sci-fi series. Kind of reminds you of like it's like Battlestar Galactica meets like Firefly. Oh, okay. That sounds promising. I yeah. have been watching uh, Lovecraft Country. Shit. I want, I want to watch that so bad. How is it? It's fucking great. I only watched one episode. It started off kind of slow, but when it picks up, that fucker picks up. Like it is. Oh, yeah. It is great. It is. It's really, really good. I highly recommend it. Super interesting concept, too. Yeah. 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 It's just it's it's fucking really good. And it's. You know, it's by J.J. Uh, Abrams and uh, Jordan Peele. So that's a good combination. It's pretty good, right? Like, I, I mean, that's kind of what, what got me in. I was like, all right, well. Release the, the Ryan Johnson cut. <laughs> and then I'm also uh, sort of the, sec- the second <laughs> season of Harley Quinn. Yes. There's just two seasons, right? That I know of. But yeah, I just started the second There's season. There's got to be more, though. It's, it's, I don't know anyone who doesn't like it. The second season really is just it's it's so good. Like I was it, it's great. Wait, I'm, does it have the Snyder Cut reference in it? Have you gotten there yet? No, I haven't gotten there yet. Oh god, I'm excited for you to watch that. So good. And I was listening to that the podcast that you uh, recommended, My Brother, My Brother and Me. Is that it? The McElroy Brothers. So good. Their Snyder talk <laughs> is pretty delicious. Who is Zack Snyder and why should I care? <laughs> Oh, I love it because they're they're ranting about Batman. They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me get out of this bit for a second. Who is Zack Snyder and why should I care? <laughs> My favorite is like, I think the most menacing thing about Batman is like, even if you, you know, can beat him up or take him on physically, he can still buy your grandmother's house right out from underneath her. <laughs> just was hooked when I heard that. I was like, these... These guys. Let's just do their whole bit and then we'll call it ours. Well, of course. I mean, no, it shouldn't surprise you that they have a whole channel where they do D&D. They're really good at going off the deep end and bits. They're great. They're super fun. Highly recommend that podcast. So what what else have you been watching or reading or whatever? Yeah, I've been I've well, I've been listening to a lot of the McElroy brothers. Yeah. Um Hoping to to tap into their their juices. I want them to juice me. Yikes! What, is, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> wow. Yeah, I do. I want some of their their natural flow and and creativity. Oh, so shout out to another nerd podcast called Casual Wednesdays. I haven't found a good podcast strictly about comic books, and that one's super delightful. And I it's like the NPR of comic book podcasts. 
very chill, very straightforward, easy to listen to. I like that a lot. I guess I should mention the fact that um, Riot watched Justice League with me. Oh, you know, what's really funny is that when I was in Max's room, I found a uh, Aquaman toy and I was like, send this to Riot. Send that to Riot. (laughs) (laughs) I think Riot has a type because um, I keep showing them notoriously bad movies. Mm -hmm. They always find at least one person they find hot in it. And in Twilight, it was Jacob. You're just staying positive. I'm I'm into it. Yeah. (laughs) There's, I mean... There's got to be a thirst trap. There's a reason why those movies are popular, and it's usually because of thirst traps, not because of content. any good content. Yeah. Yeah, so it was Jacob in the Twilight series, and okay. it was uh, Aquaman and Justice League, which okay. I think they have a similar vibe. Jacob's kind of a baby, Jason Momoa. It was so funny because I think I really conditioned my kids to be very critical of movies because they were basically like riff tracksing it oh. while we were watching. That's how you know you've, you've done your part as a parent. Like... Right. If they're Mystery Science Theater 3000 in these movies, they are they are next level children. They are set for life. And so afterwards, they were like, we got to watch the cinema scenes of this. Yeah. The, the, the entire video, they're like, that's what I was saying. That's Aww. what I said. Cynthia, I'm going to play a game with you. Oh, my God. It's called Nerd Fact or Fiction. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I don't know if I'm ready, but you'll never be ready. I know. I'm, I'm going to start slow. Okay. The original Hulk was supposed to be red, but because of a printing error, he was green. That's true. That's false. Is it? He was supposed to be gray. Gray. I knew it was a different color. Now you're a bitch. I did a tangeroo <laughs> on you. All right. Oh, you're going to like this one. I don't know. Nicholas Coppola took his stage name, Nick Cage, from the Marvel comic book character, Luke Cage. Oh, God, I hope not. So you're saying fiction? Sure. It's true. Oh, God. (laughs) I don't know if that's endearing or not, but I love it. I don't like it. I don't like him. (laughs) Same. Um... After Batman and Robin rescued it from a slaughterhouse, DC Comics included a bat cow. Oh, my God. That sounds so plausible. I'm just going to say, yeah, sure. And you're right. Oh. Joss Whedon named Buffy Summers Mm -hmm. after Cyclops' alter ego, Scott Summers. Oh. I don't know. I'm going to say, I mean, that sounds right to me. He's, uh, or no, you know what? I'm going to say no. God, you should have went with your first inclination. Yeah, whatever. I'm used it to being true. wrong. Okay. Well, you're no, you know he's a big uh, comic book fan. I do, but then you did that bullshit in the beginning where I knew that Hulk was supposed to be a different color, but you just changed the color. So I thought maybe, you know, he named Buffy after some other I went person. all Killgrave on you. I'm playing mind games, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. They had to CGI out... Loki's bulge in the first Thor movie because it was too distracting. Ooh, I know that's true because I have watched the footage in slow motion. <laughs> How many times? I care not to mention. <laughs> that's that's like my it's like my security blanket. You know, I'm like, you know it will help me go to bed tonight. <laughs> the hypnotizing bulge of Loki. I'm not feeling very well. Let's put on some Loki bulge. <laughs> <laughs> 
that should be like a like a government care package. Just like gifts of that. <laughs> just some just some peanut butter, cheese, and some Logie package. <laughs> <laughs> That's a charcuterie board I can get behind. In an alternate universe. Oh, okay. Peter Parker is mm-hmm. bitten by a radioactive frog and becomes Frog Boy. Oh, God. I hope that's not true. You're correct. Good. But he is bitten by a radioactive sheep and becomes Sheep Boy. Oh, that's worse. But that's, a, that's in a What If series, so I feel like it's kind of a throwaway. But there is also a, a Frog Thor, which you probably... I don't know if you noticed it was mentioned in Ragnarok when Loki's like, remember when I turned you into a frog? Yeah, 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 yeah. A copy of Detective Comics number 38 exists with an error that has Batman constantly refer to his sidekick as Bobbin. (laughs) God, I hope that's true. It's not. Damn it. (laughs) Marvel once collaborated on a Spider-Man comic with Planned Parenthood that discouraged teens from having unprotected sex. Wait, what? No. Really? No. You're, saying, you're going with no? I'm going with no. Well, you'd be wrong. What? It kind of reminds me of um, my one of my favorite characters, the Dazzler, which is actually like a collaboration with a record company. Yeah. They were trying to they were trying to like cash out on the whole disco craze. No, I know about that, but I think the thing that confused me is why is Planned Parenthood like promoting abstinence? No, not abstinence, unprotected sex. They're discouraging them. Oh, okay. I have a headache. I, I missed that. All right. That's why I was you confused. You have a headache because you, you want to be abstinent and you don't want to have sex. <laughs> I have a headache from all this unprotected sex. Classic. Lesser known Marvel character, Dick Falloff Man, nope. had a two-issue arc and uncanny X-Men in the late 80s. No. You would be right. But there is an arm fall off man yes. in the DC universe. I do know about arm fall off man. Dick fall off man just did not sound right. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be the new suicide squad. But I just like the visual of this guy's dick falling off and then him beating you with it. Okay. Okay. I can get behind that or in front of it or whatever. Riddle me this Batman. Mm. Riddle me this bat bitch. Ooh. Despite being one of the highest grossing DC movies, Wonder Woman still didn't perform as well as Captain America at the box office. That's true. That's false. Really? Uh, Wonder Woman did better than Captain America and Thor combined. I didn't know that. The font Comic Sans is based on Dave Gibbons' lettering in the Watchmen comic books. Ew. Is it? I'm asking you. Ew, no. (laughs) It is true. So he calls the font dreadful. So he fully he fully thinks that he's created a monster. He knows. I would, I would quote that Eminem song. <laughs> but instead, as an extra bonus, I'm going to say that in a Punisher comic, the Punisher protects Eminem from would-be assassins. Jesus. How much do you hate that? <laughs> a little too much. Just a, few, just a few left here. Let's see how okay. well you do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Star of Ant-Man, Paul Rudd, mm-hmm. discovered his parents were second cousins on the Finding Your Roots show in 2017. How is this a comic book thing? It's related. Paul Rudd's the star of Ant-Man. I mean, if that's the key to being young forever, uh, I'll stand by it. No, so, I don't so think it. No, I don't think it did. No. 
It's true. Well, then if that's the key to being that handsome, I'm for it. It's a fountain of youth, baby. <laughs> Iron Man. Yeah. As you know, mm-hmm. is an arms manufacturer. You don't say. He was created during a time in history when everyone was very critical of the war. When was that? And the only reason he became a character was as a bet to see if Stanley could make an audience like an unlikable character. Oh, you're asking me if that's true. Yeah. Is it? Sure. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that was a little too involved for it to be false. <laughs> no, you you were weaving some some tales there. Like Detective Comics number 38. Yeah, you're like... <laughs> like Bobbin. <laughs> you really, really wish that would have been true. And finally, okay. Clark Kent yeah. compresses his spine mm. while in disguise. So he'll appear shorter than Superman. No. It's true. Ugh, he's such a dick. I hate Superman. <laughs> but is he a Bobbin? <laughs> Nobody is, apparently. He he's he's the unofficial dick fall off man. <laughs> Oh, I could, yeah, I like that. <laughs> is that is that are those all your your stumpy stumpers? Yeah, what was what was your score with that? Who even knows? Uh, I failed. I have some real fun ones, and it's obviously like I'm not trying to like prove anything. No, I'm not trying to make it to ask you if these are true or not because these are. I just yeah. found I was hoping that these were on your list, so I wrote them down. Like, oh, I hope she brings these up, but you didn't. <laughs> what are they? There is a fucking DC villain a super villain that was mm-hmm. fueled by cocaine oh yeah <laughs> fucking snow flame you gotta love it oh you know what i'm gonna add i'm gonna i'm gonna add this it's not it's not gonna be a question though okay cynthia did you know probably not the original <laughs> venom was supposed to be a woman okay her origin story was that she was pregnant okay she was out with her husband Okay. Her husband was hit by a taxi cab driver that was distracted by Spider-Man and the shock and grief caused her to miscarry. What? And the only reason why that character didn't become canon is because it was rejected because they didn't think it was realistic for a woman to be a, a, a nemesis for a teenage boy. Wow. That's weird. Did you yeah. know that there was a villain and her superpower was that she was able to forcibly fire spouts of menstrual blood at her opponents? <laughs> That's me. That's you. You're heavy flow. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite characters, and she's not even that weird. I just love her name is um, Typhoid Mary. Ooh. Is she, that was a good is one. She, is she based on Typhoid Mary? Yeah, she is. And she looks crazy. She's one of my favorite Spider-Man villains. Cute. Love to see it. So, hey, you, you stump, you, you, what what were you calling this bit? Stump the. Something stumpy. Stump stumpy. (laughs) You stump stumpy. I think you should do it next time. I think, and I like it being a surprise because you get like a genuine reaction from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean I should come up with them next time? Yeah, or like something. I blew my wad already. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're the actual menstrual superhero. Yeah, you fucking, I am heavy flow. We're going to get into a segment where we talk about all of our favorite new comic books that are coming out and have come out. And I am going to warn you in advance that I am the John Travolta of name pronunciations. So bear with me. 
Wonder Woman number 761 and 762 by Mariko Tamakai and Carlo Barberi. We've got 761. It's called Enemies and Allies. We're going to get the team up of Wonder Woman and Maxwell Lord. What? What? And then we're going to get a new villain called Liar Liar. This is the debut of him. And there's going to be a shocking connection between Liar Liar and a face from the past. So check that one out. We've got Batgirl number 48 and 49 by Cecil Casalucci and Robbie Rodriguez. Gordon's Never Give Up Part 1. The catastrophic history of the Gordon family. We're going to see Babs reliving some of the most traumatic events of her life. Then we're going to get into the last joke part two, which is the finale of this killer two-part tale where Babs traces the Batgirl-obsessed redhead murderers back to their source and realize who the real culprit is. Fuck me. Do we have another X Factor? Fuck yeah, two and three. Number two and three, we've got the Dance of Death. The team gets their first case investigating the disappearance of a mutant dancer at a prestigious ballet academy in the Mojoverse. We've got an artist from Hawaii, uh, David Nakayama, he did a, a variant cover that we posted on social media and super bummed out that it didn't end up being published because a lot of variant covers are being canceled. Yeah, that's really sad. That one was really awesome. It's, it's This pandemic is a fucking bummer on so many different levels. Yeah, so do check that out. But with number three of X Factor, we've got Drowning in the Stream. Every streamer in the Mojoverse is desperate to get a little of the X magic on their channel. Mm. But all X Factor wants to do is figure out who murdered the Krakodian citizen. <laughs> all right. I, I mean, I'm sold. It'd be so easy for you to pick up one, two, and three, baby. Get in on it. Get in on it. And, and you know, we can't not mention that TMT number 108 and 109 are coming right to your face holes. <laughs> By, by the illustrious Sophie Campbell. Love Sophie Campbell. She worked on the Gem and the Holograms comic book series. Nice. Support women creators. And from Image Comics, we've got Chu C-H-U. Yes, that is related to the amazing series C-H-E-W by John Lehman and Dan Boltwood. Number two and number three. Super excited about that one. And from Jim Rugg, writer of Street Angel, my kid's personal favorite, Octobriana, 1976. Yes. Love it. Russian, Russian superhero comic. We love it. Any, anything from, you know, 70s psychedelia, so Soviet good. constructivism. Love to see it. So into the devil woman. So into this. Is that it? Wow. We did it. And we talked about comics. Where the fuck is shit, dude? We did it. I mean, you can't not say this is not a nerdy podcast. We did it all. We fucking did it. Don't fucking test us. Don't fucking don't come for us. Yeah, nerd boys. Let's talk about those little those little pieces of shit. I mean, four female Ghostbusters. The feminists are taking over. I'm an adult virgin. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, (laughs) the mansplainers and the fanboys and the gatekeepers testing every woman they fucking see that you know deign to fucking say that they're that they're into the same shit that these guys think is their own i mean what even what what constitutes a real nerd girl because it seems like if you identify as a woman you're automatically not a nerd right yeah i mean they just don't believe that women 
could or would participate in these things. And like, it's just some sort of posturing or were somebody's girlfriend or wife that was somehow dragged into it. Begrudgingly. Please take my wife. It's a very (laughs) old school comic (laughs) comedian stance on it. I mean, it all, of course, stems from not really knowing how women operate yeah and it's like it's very it's like it's definitely perpetuate like i just watched the uh documentary on comic-con 2010 i think that was done by uh, margaret spurlock and joss whedon two canceled people <laughs> no i know but the I redheads re- i'm telling you <laughs> gotta watch out for those guys so i watched that and the Ke- the kevin smith bits are just delightful and i i, I recommend it just for that but there was a part where this guy who was like a comic shop owner goes into this huge rant about how like just basically how women ruin the fun and if you have a girl that doesn't like comics like leave her because just for some reason like this whole like idea that women are out to just make you throw away your comic book collection like it's just ridiculous to me and i just it's just perpetuated in so many ways and i mean not only to be a woman i mean that's demonized and then you have them you know these like fucking guys like also thinking that people of color basically anybody that's not like a cisgendered heterosexual white dude is like an outsider trying to fuck with or impose some terrible agenda on their culture like it's just fucking ridiculous how is how is comic books video games board games role-playing whatever how's that different from any other industry because everything's evolving everything catches up to the modern times and you have to relate to a new audience like it's not an exception and yeah. and and especially comic books have always been political i like, i don't get it it's like it's like seeing cops with punisher tattoos i'm like do you, <laughs> do you are you familiar with the punisher because i'm pretty sure he went against everything that you're into <laughs> i mean i think what they're trying to say their point of view if i'm gonna fucking try and speculate here is that they kind of feel like they see you know any attempt to be to have anybody else in their club as them trying to make it anti-white or bringing feminist propaganda and they want the space to be perceived to be like free of politics it's white men are under attack you didn't know i mean the most persecuted if for me it's like if they see anybody else reflected in anything it's like a direct affront to them and they need to see themselves in all things and if they have to see anybody else but themselves it's offensive and you're pushing an agenda on them <laughs> so it's fun. It's just this. I, I I think that you know, not that straight cis white men don't have their own struggles, but I think that they some people just really want to be persecuted. Well, so also badly. people perceive persecution when it's not really there. Like just just them not being the the baseline is considered persecution because they're so used to it. You know. They're the anti-maskers of the nerd world. Well, it's. I think it's even more pervasive than that. You see all the crap happening even higher up in the big two, DC and Marvel. And then, of course, all the stuff that's happening at Riot Games with all the, the sexual harassment where it's just men, again, feeling entitled to women and being the, the gatekeeper to any kind of success in the industry, too. Like, you have to come through us because you're lesser than. Yeah. But then to to turn around and be like, why don't girls like me? I'm such a nice guy. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
And then, you know, women are evil. They're taking your fucking comics and your movies and they're withholding sex from you. And it's just... It's it's a self-fulfilling... It really is. I mean, don't, don't, don't work on your perspective or your personality, like whatever. Like it's Mm -hmm. just women, they're making things. Or your hygiene. Yeah. Don't work on any of that. It's just, it's us. It's all, it's us. We're terrible. If I'm triggered by anything, it's a specific smell by neckbeards. I can, (laughs) I smell it and it's like, I get like flashbacks. I hear choppers. I can't. (laughs) Takes me right back. But you know, according to the red pill theory, they're, they're, it's genetic and they can't do anything about it. They just have to die mad about it. You know, there's some, something about like um, actual skull shape as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Side note, why didn't Black Widow get a funeral? <laughs> Wait, yeah. How about, you know, there's no fucking excuse for it as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I think it just furthers the idea that she was just a token girl, right? Yeah. I mean, she was an Avenger since the first fucking movie. She's been in the fucking MCU since fucking Iron Man 2. And she's a fucking badass. She's a goddamn fucking part of the team. She's a fucking superhero. When superheroes die, the world takes notice, but she didn't get a glorious fucking goodbye. She also didn't get the the banners with her logo on it like Superman did. (laughs) (laughs) Really badly CGI'd on the side of buildings. Yeah, and like when I think about Oh, when I think about fucking Black Widow not getting a fucking funeral, I mean, I got to start my rant. I got to start it with the fucking with with a quote. Want to hear my quote? Yeah, let's hit me with it. They sterilize you. It's efficient. One less thing to worry about. The one thing that might matter more than a mission. It makes everything easier, even killing. You still think you're the only monster on the team? Are you trying to piss me off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and then you flash forward to fucking Endgame where Natasha is like determined to be the one that dies instead of Clint. And why? Because he has a fucking family. If 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 we have Hawkeye survive just because he has a family, that makes that fucking Ultron reveal that Black Widow is infertile. It makes it even worse. She can't have kids, so she's less than human. She can't fulfill her purpose as a woman and she might as well jump off a fucking cliff. Thank God that monster sacrificed herself. <laughs> oh, Iron Man gets this like fucking long, beautiful funeral sequence and Black Widow's death. It came first halfway through the fucking movie and its primary use was just to give the remainder of a now all male fucking team of the original Avengers, at least. It gives them something to fucking be sad about as they fucking gear up for the final battle. They could have easily had Clint say something like, oh, she didn't want a big deal. She didn't. She just wanted us. She just wanted us to move on or whatever. Like there could have been an acknowledgement of it, but there wasn't even an acknowledgement of like no. <laughs> of her death at all. I mean, like they talked about her death, but then eh. I mean, at the very, very I mean, like it was just like, oh, we got to fucking do this because, you know, she's she didn't make her day for nothing. Just motivates them. Like, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's all it was there for. Because we, we we should only really care about the male plot lines. Again, women in refrigerators, right? Yeah. She was fucking fridged. And I fucking, I demand an apology in that fucking Black Widow and, movie. And like, no offense, but if she's going to get fridged, at least make it for like an important character, not Clint. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, mean, fucking. MCU Clint. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Clint should have died. He isn't even worthy of a fucking solo movie. Hmm. Like, come on. Well, we're getting a, like a Hawkeye and Falcon, right? TV show. 
TV show. Mm-hmm. The fact that they had to combine them lets you know mm-hmm. like what tertiary characters they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't stand on his own yet deserves to live because he's got fucking kids. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Like I'm not, I, mean, I am going to spend a fortune on this fucking Black Widow movie when it comes out, but I better get a fucking apology. It better be good. And and I hope that there is, I wonder if it's only going to be set in the past or if the end will clean up the end of Endgame for us and her and her demise. As far as I'm concerned, it has to, because it's shitty. And, and, and to go out with that long of roots too, like what a shame. Obviously written by men. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sacrilege. The presenting sponsor of Masters of the Obvious is us. Producing a podcast is expensive, but you can keep this, your new favorite show, in business. MastersoftheObvious.com has all your Motopod merch needs. Need a cup? Want our face on some shit? Need tangible evidence you're not a toxic fanboy? Well, we have the perfect place for you. MastersoftheObvious.com. Buy merch, be a hero to these needy nerds. We have a super special guest on the pod, the juiciest, the loveliest, the talentedest mm-hmm. <laughs> animator, stop motion artist, teacher, um, best friend, Bonna Bones on the show. Thank you so much for being our guest. Oh my I'm God. What's it like to have a college education? <laughs> expensive. <laughs> Ooh, she's an expensive bitch. All right. Let's start with uh, what have you been up to? How are you doing? We're just checking in. How's it going? What have you been watching? What have you been reading? What have you been screaming into? Oh, uh, I've been screaming into the void a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um I'm doing good. As a teacher, getting ready for the semester coming up, you know, there's like a whole lot going on. Yeah. Uh, but I'm basically two bottles of wine deep and just ate half a pizza. So let's go. You're ready. The best possible answer. Have you been watching <laughs> anything nerdy to make us stay on theme? Oh. Ooh, anything nerdy. What have you been watching lately? Do you know what I watched last night for the first time? Sleepaway Camp. The, like old horror oh, movie. Very oh, very nice. I've been on an 80s horror movie binge for the last, like, week. Can I suggest? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Slumber Party Massacre 1 and 2. All right. All right. Mentally noted. Slumber Party Massacre 2 is mwah, so good. <gasps> yeah, that's my vibe right now. I'm mm-hmm. just, like, chilling on those 80s, like, gory horror movies. Those are great. That. Have you watched American Horror Story 1984? Okay, I just watched that like a week ago, which I think started the horror movie binge. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. And so I was like, yep, we got to go. Th- I got to understand all these tropes and all of these weird uh, references they're making, like the dumb knitting needle. Uh, <laughs> I need to understand why it's important she killed someone with a knitting needle because it's the same shit they did in Halloween. <laughs> Wait, uh, is it No, Halloween. Yeah, yeah, Halloween. You're like the you're like the bitch that goes into a movie you're like I'm going to read the book for this. <laughs> I am that bitch. I'm 100% that bitch. <laughs> the DNA the DNA results are in and she's that bitch. <laughs> I saw some interesting things that you were doing during the pandemic last semester since you are a school teacher. You did something really cute with your graduating students. Oh, the Animal Crossing thing? <laughs> yes. So, you know, it was kind of a shit show when everything shut down. Uh, We really only had like a week to prepare to move to an online format. Um, 
And it was a bummer not to have our seniors graduate. And so I built a graduation stage in Animal Crossing and like called out all the students' names in the game and like had like groups of students come over in like different groups onto my island so I could give them a diploma in the game. That's and like, so cute. I had I had little robes and hats for each like each person's avatar and I gave them um a star fragment and a <gasps> diploma. Oh my god. Oh, Get so, out of here. So good. <laughs> so you and you teach animation which i kind of wonder like how does that translate to an online um i think fortunately animations exist in this space where um one animators are just antisocial by nature uh and so they always want to be in their little hidey hole doing their thing um and so it's been pretty easy to shift into an online format where you know they can work from home most students have the equipment already if they didn't have the equipment we were able to provide it for them uh so that they could work in their in their little studio spaces at home uh yeah it's been it's been all right all things considered it's we're not in the worst place we could be as an art school like transitioning to online learning right. i think for some like departments like ceramics it might be a little bit difficult yeah I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Bonner. We're going to have to edit that because NPR has a restraining order against us. You can't say all things considered. <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted something that I thought was very wholesome that you did was your self-funded project and how it was like an ode to your dad's childhood. Yeah, Papa Phil. All my friends call my dad Papa Phil because he's a saint. He's a beautiful human being on this earth. Yeah, and so I kickstarted it. I think it was, I want to say it was 2016 that I kickstarted it. I got funding for it. So I finished the principal animation for it. I've been editing it, but life just got all kinds of crazy. And it's been a much slower process than I thought it would be. And I think that like when you kickstart something or when you crowdfund something, people don't tell you how angry people get if you don't meet your deadline. Oh, <laughs> like God. I get angry messages from people and I'm like, I'm still working on it. I swear it's coming out. It's coming out. Like I just like, I moved across the country like multiple times over the course of like three years. And I was like, I just don't have time for this right now. Especially with something as tedious as stop motion. Like there's no, you can't, you can't expect that right away. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just been a much longer process than I thought it would be. Still happening, still moving forward, still trying to finish it. And yeah, it's yeah, basically like an ode to like my father's childhood. And it's um, hopefully a really sweet take on what it was like to grow up in the 70s. Uh, like just being like a backlot kid playing baseball, you know, fucking around doing bullshit. Yeah, boys will, that's cute, cute boys will be boys shit. Like not like bad boys will be boys shit. <laughs> <laughs> wholesome boys will be boys shit. Yeah, wholesome boys will be boys shit. I love that. I also am very impressed by not only your body but your body of work mm, and I would love to hear about some of the the bigger projects that you've worked on oh girl what you want to know which one you want to talk about I was super excited to tell Cynthia that you worked on a Jane's Addiction music video I did I did um it was I think I only ended up having like two shots in it it was a really interesting shoot because we were painting on the bodies of models that was like one of my first gigs after college and yeah we were painting on like these super hot LA 
like babe town USA models and they're just naked and we're just like painting on them. And there's all these like weird things that you don't consider when you're like going into a situation like that. Like, <laughs> like the, the hardness of their nipples would change frame to frame and so it's like these little flickering nipples that are getting harder and softer <laughs> oh my god i love that and then you also worked on a, a blink 182 video I did. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Um, that I wasn't an animator for, uh, the director, Isaac Renz, he had hired me for a, um, caged elephant music video. Which is amazing. Yeah. I love that video. That video is great. And I like had a great team of people working on it. Um, it's the Aberdeen music video for caged elephant. And so what happened was he like ended up doing a, a live action shoot for that blink 182 project. And he was like, come on, be our department. And I was like, fine, this is like not my wheelhouse, but I'm sure I can do it. Um, and so I did art department for that. And it's really cute because in the background of one of the shots they're in, the, it's these like kids who are in this psychiatric unit for youth and like in the background you can see there's like a painting of a dragon and it's the dragon from the Aberdeen video Aww. and so it's like and. a cute little callback to like working on on that project hmm. you're like Pixar now you have like easter eggs to all your projects <laughs> <laughs> I do I put little easter eggs in like anything I can I'm like yes yes you're the easter bunny I can't wait to tell my kids <laughs> <laughs> what was another really good one you, you mentioned Cage Element which if you guys have access to the YouTubes. I don't know if you're special enough. Definitely look up Aberdeen. It's and you did such a fabulous job, and it makes you cry. It's a really sad music video for being a story about like was it a dinosaur or, or like a monster? It? It's just like a Godzilla, Godzilla type of monster for a story about a Godzilla e monster. You wouldn't think it would be so heartfelt, but boy, it, really it right out of you. It really gets you. And then you also did one for the Marias. I did. That's probably one of my favorite projects I work on. Uh, Maria was great to work with. And I like, basically, I I was contacted by her and she um, produces music with her partner and, and the rest of the band. And they were like, uh, yeah, just, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do. We just, we have this idea where it's like vaguely little prince-ish go for it. And I was like, this is the dream scenario. Like just having somebody be like, Hey, we're going to give you money to do whatever the fuck you want is like just the dream scenario. And so I made it in my kitchen <laughs> yes. on my kitchen table on the table that I actually have this laptop on right now. I just like shot the whole thing with a down shooter. So the camera was pointing down the table and I just like animated all the little shits on the, on my table. That's fascinating. Awesome. And then um, when it comes to TV shows, you have one that you have two that are out right now, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is Crossing Swords yep. on Hulu, which I have never seen an animation style like that in my life. It was weird to animate. It was really weird to animate because if, if for anyone who hasn't seen the show yet, it's basically like those playmobile like peg people it's like those little like just a peg with a head on top there's no arms there's no legs and so to animate and the, and the puppets are made out of wood like the puppets are wooden blocks and so you get you have no flexibility with the puppet and so you're just like trying to make this like wooden <laughs> block look like it's walking um <laughs> it's the weirdest thing i've ever had to animate but it was super super fun it's so delightful. I, I can't tell you how many times that my husband and I have gotten drunk and just giggled at it. 
Hell yeah. That's what, that's what I do this for. And it's the same <laughs> studio that does Robot Chicken. Yeah. Super Buddy Studios. So same studios, uh, a lot of the same people involved. And so I was working on Robot Chicken season 10 before I shifted over to Crossing Swords. What was that experience like? I mean, imagine what it's like to animate a bunch of poop jokes all day. <laughs> the best? <laughs> the best. It's just a dream job. And that's such a nerdy show too, all the references they make. Yeah, yeah. It's like a super hardcore nerd show. I love it so much. <laughs> so with animation, it is a very like male-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. What are some stories you have about that? Oh, God. Y'all want, like, the nitty-gritty or, like, the cute, like, oh, like, it was fine. <laughs> Hit us with both. I would say, lo, lo, I'll just preface this by saying, uh, I think, so I, I, after working at Stupid Buddy Studios, I think that Stupid Buddy is one of the best places I've worked as a woman. It's it's definitely a place where more female talent is, like, coming into their own there. Outside of that, it's been, man, it's been all over the place. I had this one dude on set. I, I think I was using like a, a like a screw, like a, a drill or something. Like I was using some kind of power tool, which is like very common in our industry. Like you kind of have to know how to use saws and, you know, drills and like whatever. Cause what we're doing in to some degree is like a light level of construction. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's like using a drill on set and this dude came up to me and he was like, oh, I think I have this girl that I know that you'd really like. You'd really like her. I think you guys should go on a date. Um, I just think you guys would hit it off. And I was like, what makes you think I'm into women? <laughs> and he was like, well, you're using power tools. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, I was just like, what? <laughs> so you're saying you've been to a Home Depot? <laughs> are, you, are you a friend of Ellen? Wink, wink. <laughs> That was like a really strange one where I was just like, what? So awkward. But like, honestly, not that offensive. No, because I do like girls. I like girls <laughs> yeah. and boys. So he wasn't that far off. But He's, He smelled it on you. <laughs> Still bold of him to assume. Still bold. Still Very bold. bold. <laughs> it's 2020. Everyone's a little bit gay. Whatever. Come on. I noticed too that with any other industry right now, there's just been a lot of predatory behavior being revealed. Yeah. Everywhere. It exists everywhere. Most famously in the last couple of years was the run and Stimpy creator, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That dude's douche. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's rampant in every industry and animation's like no exception. Like it happens, you know, it happens in our industry too. I think that luckily when you get down to like smaller niche groups, like stop motion animation is like a subcategory of animation, which is like a subcategory of filmmaking. We all tend to know each other. And so I think that in my particular career choice and my career path in stop motion, it's been less prevalent for me because most of us know each other. And like, we all like have a rapport because there's not that many stop motion animators who are working at the TV or feature level. And so we all kind of like have to be aware of like what's happening in our own community. Uh, not to say it doesn't exist because it certainly does. But I think that, you know, we all try to get each other's back as much as we can. I almost get a little worried when I hear about industries being so close knit. I feel like there's this like urge to like kind of close rank, rank and like defend somebody. I think that's super valid. I think that that can absolutely happen in like any industry. Uh, I think that as somebody who 
doesn't work full time in the industry, I maybe wouldn't be the best person to speak on that because yeah. I teach during the year. And so my relationship with, with the industry is like, I come in breeze in for like three months out of the year and I'm like, Hey, Bonnie's in town. Everyone's like, Bonnie's here. And then I leave <laughs> and I go back to teaching. And so it's like, I have a much more uh, like truncated version of what the industry is. You're the fun aunt. I'm the fun aunt. I'm the fun aunt of stop motion. Like I just come in for three months, get everyone real boozed up and then leave. Like that's me. I love that. A good gig. <laughs> we were wondering who your inspiration is. If you have like one person in particular or what inspires you? Oh, that's a good question. And I feel like it's one of those questions that you like as an artist, you get asked frequently, but it changes mm. every 10 minutes. And so right now I'm like really into Michelle Gondry's stuff. Oh yes. And I'm like, like I said, really into like 80s horror gore right now. And so like I just like want to make a bunch of like horrible, like bloody practical effects, but like make them like beautifully beautifully and musically attuned like Michelle Gondry. Like I don't know where that's combining in my head, but <laughs> I'm here for that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Super into that. Where do you see yourself in the industry or elsewhere in five years? That's a good question. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, this presidential term, there will still be a world in five years. <laughs> um, if that's the case, uh, I'd really love to be in a position where like, I want to shift into, um, into assistant directing and producing. And so there's not a lot of animators who fill those roles usually when people like when we hire assistant directors and producers like they're usually coming from a live action background and there's mm -hmm. like a disconnect right like um stop motion is such a specific art form that requires really just like niche knowledge that like not a lot of people have and so i'd really like to shift into a more production role where i could curate a little bit more with like with the eye of an animator who like can see like what we're needing to do yeah, because I think that's something that's like lacking in my industry is like producers and assistant directors and like other other above the line. I'm I'm super surprised by that. Why? Because you thought I'd just be like crazy and bona. <laughs> no, you're like, I'm gonna live in a gutter in five years and hissing at people with walk by. <laughs> no, I just I'm just surprised that that the people in those positions don't have stop motion background. Yeah, I think it's a hard ask because not a lot of people if you if you are animating or if you are fabricating, it's because you're usually like a lifer. Like that's what you want to do. Like you want to animate or you want to like do costumes or you want to do sets. And so there's not a lot of people who transition out of those roles into technical roles. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. When it happens, it's cool because I've I'm in the industry too. And when I see people who transition and they bring that knowledge with them, it's it's awesome. Because I've had yeah. I'm a makeup artist, so I've seen makeup people transition into you know being production people, and it's helped me so much when yeah, they go they into just those get what you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, there's no, there's no disconnect about like what you can do, what you can't do. And how it's going to, how an idea could be translated. Yeah, there's no unrealistic expectations and there's no like, they know exactly what you need and what you're, what, what's right to ask of you. They're not Kickstarter patrons. <laughs> They're not Kickstarter patrons. Yeah, because I can't tell you like how many times I've been on set and like some producer is like, we need 20 seconds by the end of the day. And we're all like, that's not how this works. Like, that's <laughs> not how any of this works. So, I mean, it, I guess it depends on the project that you're working on, but like what 
usually is the time frame that you're working with. So the industry kind of standard is about one second of animation per one hour of active work time. And so, if you know, that's not counting like setup or prep that has to do to get the stage ready to shoot. And so like an uh, like a really productive day in animation is like eight to 10 seconds of animation in stop motion. That's wild. So how yeah, long yeah. does it take to do a season of Robot Chicken? That's a good question. I want to say... For season 10, I believe they started shooting. I want to say they started shooting in February and they finished early September. Uh, And so, and we also had 20 something stages. So over 20 stages and at any given time, there can be, you know, between five and 12 animators working on those stages. And so there's like a pretty fast turnover for that show, like that happens to be able to get it to air. And so they'll bring in like a ton of animators and like, you know, everyone's working on all the stages all the time. And so like, while animators are working on one stage, they'll have another stage where like art department is setting up so that like, we can just like walk off the stage that we were on and like go over to the next shot. So it's ready for us. So they have it really streamlined to be able to pick up the pace so that uh, there's not a lot of downtime. Yeah. How long have it? I mean, 10 seasons, but that's been how many years? I don't know. I started interning on season five of the show. And that was when I was like 21. So that was like, like, yeah, like almost 10 years. That was like last year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) It must be such a different experience working on like a streamlined project, like Robot Chicken to like things that you're doing by yourself or like a commercial. Yeah, it's a, it's a really different thing because on, on like a show like Robot Chicken or Crossing Swords, we have really distinct department divisions. Like animators don't do the setup for the stages. Animators don't costume. Like we are just there to animate. And so like we come on stage, that's all we do. Lighting comes in and they set everything up. Everyone preps everything and we just like walk on. And it's almost like being the talent in a weird way, like how talent would be treated on a live action shoot. Yeah. Um, where, you know, like everything's just ready for us to go and we walk on set and just do our thing. When you're working independently or when you're working on smaller projects like music views or commercials, that's definitely not the case. You have to wear a little bit, wear a couple more hats than you normally would. And so there's like pros and cons of both. I like doing everything in stop motion. And so like, I like getting my hands dirty and like building puppets and like, you know, making little costumes and stuff. So it's nice to do that part of it too. I just got the coolest visual of like all the animators coming in like slow motion, like Apollo 13. <laughs> <laughs> like like a slow a slow hair flip, and then like someone <laughs> someone makes direct eye contact with you and you give them a stink face. <laughs> no looking at the talent directly in the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely exactly like that. I promise. <laughs> how much of stop motion is freelance? Like how like do you have in house people at like Super Buddy and then you freelance commercials or how does that work? I would, I would get freelance for like commercials and music videos and like, not just a stupid buddy, but like other studios will bring you in as a freelancer for those kinds of projects. If you're working on a show, like you're, you're usually getting brought on full time, but there's also people who day play. Like if someone's out sick, they have like people on call who they can, you know, they can bring in to fill in gaps when, when an animator might be missing. And so it's, it can be both. Like it goes both ways. Like you you end up doing a ton of freelance work as a stop motion animator. And when you get a nice gig, TV show where you know you're getting like a couple weeks work worth of work um it's like if you could you feel like you can catch your breath for a second you're like oh I don't have to hustle and find the night the next thing I'm set for the next two months like, mm-hmm. it's fine I'm sure Cynthia has experience with that too huh oh it's feast or famine you're like yeah look at me rolling in the dough and then you're like right. where's my next job exactly <laughs> it, so like having a TV show is kind of the equivalent of having like 
the an office job in like yeah. the art capacity. Yeah, because it's like a nine to five. It's like a normal nine to five. Working on like a music video or a commercial, like you might have a call time at like seven in the morning. And if you're not done with your shot at seven at night, like you're going, like you have to finish it. And so like you might be getting that overtime, but like you have to finish what you're doing. There's a really finite timeline on it. And so like I've had I've had days where, you know, you're pulling an 18 hour day for six, seven, eight days in a row to make your deadline. And then you won't have another job for a month. And so you're like, ah. So you said you moved around uh, quite a bit in the recent past. Yeah. Where are you now? Uh, right now I'm in Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri. I teach at the Kansas City Art Institute. Before that, I was living in LA. Before that, I was living in Oakland. Then I was living in New Hampshire. Then I was living in Scotland. Then I was living in France. I, I was all, all over. Okay, Anna, what's your favorite word? Moist. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Did not disappoint. What are you not good at? Bitch, I'm good at everything. Oh, that's the best answer. <laughs> uh, uh, there's not much I am not good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, roller skating. I'm not good no. at roller skating. What's your favorite piece that's been animated? I think I think I'd go with Hedgehog in the Fog. It's this old USSR, like Soviet era Russian animation. I want to say it's Russian. I need to fact check that now. I feel like it's Russian. It's worth a Google. Uh, it's by this guy named Yuri Norstein. And it's just like this beautiful, like surreal animation. And it's just really es- like esoteric. And like, it's just got these really magical vibes to it. Is it communist propaganda? Um... Well, that's the thing. Soviet animation, there was this era of Soviet animation, like the 70s, uh, where it's really easy for animation to be seen as like a children's medium for people not to be taken, taking it seriously. And so there was a lot of animation that existed in this time that was coming out of the Czech Republic, that was coming out of Russia, where animators were really being subversive in these children's cartoons in a way that was like directly related to the political climate. But they weren't being checked on it because children's animation isn't taken as seriously and so they were able to kind of slip these subversive messages into the animation that's awesome the trojan horse of the trojan hedgehog hedgehog. (laughs) so cute i love it where can we find your work uh you want to give us your website your home address any of that yeah yeah uh home address is no just kidding uh my website is bonnetbones.com so you can find me on bonnetbones.com i am on instagram as bonadonna b-o-n-a-d-o-n-a and i i post all my work on my website and i you know post everything on instagram and so if you want to follow all my animation journeys that's where to go I'm going to unfollow and refollow. <laughs> Hell yeah. Just for the experience. You fucking sold that. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. Like this is this is awesome. This was so much fun. Yeah, I'm really glad I got a chance to do it. <laughs> That's it. Interview's over. We did it. Thank you so much to our guest Bonabones. What a fucking delight. Please check out our website, mastersoftheobvious.com for news and merch. And you can find us on Instagram at Masters of the Obvious, Facebook at Masters of the Obvious, and Twitter at Masters of the O. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and leave a glowing review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening. We love you. Like, a lot. Like, a lot.